0: You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues
1: of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Well, we had a ruling out of the Supreme Court that stated that the state of Maine cannot constitutionally exempt religious schools from a taxpayer funded tuition assistance program. I think that that is a wonderful decision. And I want to tell you why they have been not allowing, uh, people that get vouchers in States for education. By the way, we all pay taxes for education Some states, and not that many, I don't think, offer vouchers to have your child go to the school of your choice, unless it's a religious school. And the the thought process behind that was that that would uh, be against the, the division of church and state. Well, the Supreme Court has come out and Maine said, no, you cannot exempt those religious schools From allowing the parents to use their vouchers for that because everybody's deserving of that the same educational opportunities, regardless of if it's a religious school or not, that the choice is the parent's choice. It is not the school's or the state's choice. And I love that decision because what we're seeing right now in the country is a real pushback from parents about education because of all of the things that they're including in education with critical race and with the the gender uh, issues, parents don't want to hear that. They don't want their school, their children to be taught that, those things in school. So they're choosing other types of school and many are just homeschooling. But if there is a voucher involved and the state gives you money to allocate another place that you can go to school instead of your local school, And by the way, the reason that this happens in Maine is because they have very rural areas and there are not schools close to everybody. So the parents get to choose, you know, what other schools they can go to if there's no state school around. So now they can go anywhere that the parent chooses. And I just think that that's a wonderful uh, ruling by the Supreme Court. And I want to talk about, ladies, how this affects the rest of the country, Well, I think it's like,
2: I think there's a lot of issues with regard to this. Um, I have to say the fact that this critical race theory and the gender ideology is being pushed on our kids in both public and private schools, it seems to be pervasive everywhere in education is really, really bothersome. And so many parents are absolutely up in arms about it and yet feel like they have no say in the matter. They have to send their kids to school and therefore they have to sit there and take this and just allow their kids to be exposed to this. So I think, you know, just by just by fact of having school choice is absolutely the direction we need to be going in for that reason. Um, Now, I also see that, you know, people might say, okay, so religious education should be funded by religions and not by government. However, they're not really, it's not like they're not, they're just solely teaching religion in these specific schools in Maine, at least. They basically have a Bible study in the morning and maybe a class of a Bible class in the afternoon or something like that, but they're still getting regular secular American education. Um, Now it does, I, I will bring something else into the mix, which I also don't really have an answer for, but yet I know it happens to be a big deal up here in New York. Um, in the Jewish world, in the Orthodox Jewish world, they send their children to what's called yeshivas, which is basically they don't teach their kids secular subjects. They completely teach their kids all day Torah study, which is, you know, Jewish Bible study. So those kids graduate from those schools without really studying math or science or English or history or anything like that. They are studying Torah law and Jewish law all day, every day that I'm not so sure that I a hundred percent support that for government funding, because I feel like those kids and I happen to be Jewish. So, you know, it's a, it's a very conflicted topic, Um, but those kids graduate with no secular education, therefore they're not prepared to really enter the workforce. So uh, many of them end up on welfare, and it just it just perpetuates, um, you know, government funding for those kids forever. So that it's a little bit of a controversial subject, but overall, I have to say I 100% agree with school choice and i think that these kids should 100% have the opportunity with the vouchers to pick the school that they want if they're going to be learning bible study i think that that's wonderful and i actually think we need more bible study in schools i would agree i'm applauding you
0: can't hear it but i'm i'm applauding a lot <laughs> we actually did a private we did a private school for our daughter for preschool and for first through eighth grade for her. And at that time when we reached eighth grade, we chose to put her in public school because the public school, well actually because the private Christian school did not offer some of the extracurricular things and art, related things that she was most interested in and so a public school within our area that encompassed school of choice we chose to put her there which she actually has four cousins that graduated from that school though they lived in that county Um, but we had we jumped through so many hoops for the school of choice it was crazy had no idea so we had to go to our local school that she would have attended and the principal there had to sign off every year that she attended the high school they had to release her and what that meant was they were allowing her to not attend there which meant they would not receive the government funds that they would be receiving for her had she been attending there? And so then we had to, uh, but uh, it's a long, long story, but there were lots, it's not, it's not just, oh, I want to send my kid to a private school or to a uh, school of choice. There are a lot of things involved and it comes down to a lottery in the end, at least it did in our situation. So you apply to several schools and then just by lottery, they pull her name and if there's a seat, if there's room available, then she's allowed to go. Um, but of the three schools that we were eligible for for the school of choice, thankfully wound up at the school that we really wanted where her cousins went and had graduated from already. but it's it's not a simple process, which also tells me it's worthwhile. And it tells me that like with this Supreme Court ruling, it is really important that parents be able to navigate what their children are learning, where they're going to receive the education, how they're going to receive the education, what kind of curriculum. And even though she attended a private Christian school, kinder first grade through eighth grade, there were still the basics, the basic curriculum that she had that she learned that all of the public schools also learned. And like you said, Alyssa, the, um, the math, the science, the core studies, uh, they did learn, and thankfully. But you mentioned the Jewish schools only receiving the Torah teachings, and that is most concerning and does bring me back to that, to the question of, If there are, as this other report that I listened to this morning, that they stated there are 100 different religions, and and I don't remember if they said in America or in schools. It seems like there would be more, but anyway, 100, let's say, in schools. If you have those private schools, do they all follow the core public education for math and science and social studies? Or are many or some of them following along the lines of just the strict Torah law relating to whatever their religion might have, if that makes sense? So you know, it sounds like there's more to this.
1: There, here, here's the where we are right now in the United States. There are only 14 states that have school vouchers of any type. So that leaves a lot of states that don't, the vast majority of states that have no system. You have to go to the public school or you pay your own money to send your child to private school. What I think could happen from this ruling and what I hope to see happen is that parents you know, that, that have been much more outspoken than we've seen in the past parents that are pulling their kids out of school and homeschooling or trying to find another way to educate their children because they don't like what's happening in the public school systems. In these states that do not have voucher systems, I'm hoping that somebody somewhere in the states can get that on the ballot and make that be a reality for many more states. If that would be the case, there would be many more private schools. And the, the requirement could and should be that the curriculum has to at least teach the, those basics. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, what, what Alyssa was talking about here for, um, uh, you know, something very specific and specialized as teaching the Torah. What, what we're talking about is, Children that get educated in in all of the basics, and there's a religious component to their school, and and that's fine. Or it could be a charter school that's not religious. It doesn't matter. Somewhere where our kids can get a better education outside of this state system, which is, in my opinion, doing nothing but indoctrinating our children and teaching them far less of the basics and far more of. Um, I, the garbage with the 16, 19 projects and the uh, the gender identification, uh, LGBTQ, all of this new stuff that they're teaching is, from from my perspective as a parent, completely wrong. Completely not what I would want my child to learn. So what I can say as a grandparent is my grandkids are not going to go to one of those schools that teaches that stuff. So I hope that this Supreme Court ruling, even though it's very narrow in that it applies to Maine, it applies to everywhere that there are vouchers, which is 14 states right now. So let's get voucher systems in 50 states. That would be the goal. I agree with that. I, I
2: love the, I think the concept of vouchers is really also one of the only things that can, that can sort of combat the teachers unions as well. Um, but I, I do think that, in you know, I think that the argument here, and I'm just playing a little bit of devil's advocate is that they feel like this is sort of taking, you know, undoing the wall of separation of church and state. But I, again, I don't, I personally don't, don't think that. I think I happen to agree with this. And I happen to think that, you know, people should have school choice and should be able to get the vouchers and send their kids wherever they want. The thing that is so upsetting is that not everybody does have that opportunity. And like, I have kids in school, you cannot believe the, the importance that they place on using correct pronouns. I mean, it is like the most ridiculous thing. You, I can't, even, it's hard to even relate to. I'm like, why do people care whether you are a, they, a, he, a, she, a, both, whatever you are, just go be whatever you want to be. It's got nothing to do with our math lesson. And they are so hell bent on making sure that if you were to use the wrong pronoun, you have like violated, you know, I, I, I don't know, you've, you've taken someone's firstborn. I mean, it's, it's, it's that serious. Like they take it that seriously. And I don't even mean to be like, I'm not even trying to be, you know um, it's not even hyperbole. It's just what it is. And I see that in my kids in, in the public schools where I live, I see it in the private schools. My kids do go to private school here. And you kind of think like, oh, okay, they're going to be a little bit immune to that, but they're not. It's in the private schools too. And in fact, oh, I don't want to digress, but anyhow, there's another issue going on here, which is of interest and kind of related to this as well. But um, I, I a hundred percent think that this i am 100% behind this and i think that people should absolutely have school choice and that vouchers is really the only way to go to save our educational system and we are going to be literally the laughingstock of the world because we are much more worried about whether or not someone says they or he as opposed to you know learning the the latest you know math math problems and Everybody else in all these other countries, they don't have this issue, this pronoun thing and all this nonsense going on. So it's really exclusive to hear. And I think it's a scary thing for the future of our kids.
0: That was a good point, Elisa. I was not aware that this is unique to the United States. So nowhere else are they dealing well, with the
2: situation? Well, I will. I will tell you just a very brief little story. Um, my daughter, who is um, sixteen, she was in tenth grade last this past school year. Her school takes um, international kids each year, and they they dorm at the school. They live at the school, and there was a boy who was from Russia, and. She was in her, they were in their English class. And um, this was towards the beginning of the school year this year. And the teacher was going around and saying, okay, um, talking about the pronouns and whether or not you wanted to be um, identified as a he or a she or a they or whatever. And this Russian boy, and you have to hear my daughter tell the story. I mean, you know, she was like, he, he looked at the teacher and he was like, what? what do you mean? What What do you mean he or she? You are either a boy or you're a girl. Like it was the most foreign thing to him that somebody could be both or somebody could choose to be, if you were a boy, you could choose to be identified as a she. He. It was the craziest concept to him. And these other international kids that were in the class, they come from Spain, they come from South America. There's kids from all over the world that come to this school. They couldn't. They had no idea what 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 they were even talking about. <laughs> so I, I don't know. You know, well, that's
0: just we one thought, anecdote. We talked about this. I forget Linda recently, but it. I go back to how did this happen? Seemingly so quickly, just over the most recent couple years, with such a small percentage of the population, we have been pushed and shoved into having to kowtow, for lack of a better word, to these sorts of demands. And it's very demanding that you feel now that unless you submit to having to call somebody this or that, or be careful with how you word it and don't, don't say he or she automatically because you don't really know. And I, how did this happen seemingly so quickly in society that it be, it's become huge? It's just become overwhelmingly forced upon us.
2: I saw this whole thing as starting right after the murder of George Floyd. And that was when the whole, we had the whole rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and the whole rise of identity politics. And it it just, I mean, I think it started really with Barack Obama, but it just, It just elevated itself to a new level after that murder. And I think that um, I think it it just sort of bled over into the gender issues as well.
3: In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens, both on the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day
1: Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. I'd like to introduce our host today. Today, we have Becky Colmainen. And Becky is our talented voice over talent, voice over artist, uh, voice talent, <laughs> all of the above. And you hear her beautiful voice on the front and the back end of this very show. So sh- welcome, Becky. And we have Elisa Akron Gold. Elisa hails from Connecticut. Becky from Michigan. Alisa, in her former life, was a television producer. I bet that that was really interesting because that's a whole different world than what uh, we're talking about now. Because you're you don't have too many conservative people there, right, Alisa? No, you do not. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so she worked on shows like Good Morning America, Sunday, and many others. But in her present life, she is the world famous. Weight loss coach, and my husband and I have used her, and so have many of our friends, to uh, better our own lives. So, welcome to Elisa, and I'm Linda Martinelli. I am a business owner and I hail from Texas. Also, the host, along with my husband, Dr. Ron Martinelli, of Talking While Married Right Here on America Out Loud every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, please join us there. Well, President Biden wants to give you all a gas holiday. I have to tell you that I just drove my RV to California and back uh, to do some business. $2,400 of gas money for that trip, which is insane. That's not to mention the prices of RV spots to stay for a night, which have doubled, food, which has doubled. Uh, What a crazy world we're living in. But President Biden wants to make it better for you. So he's going to propose a gas tax holiday for three months. So your summer months so that you have a gas tax holiday. Well, I did a little bit of math. Having gone to a private school, I am able to do math. So (laughs) out of that $2,400 of fuel money, The 18 cents a gallon of federal taxes that are spent that he proposes to stop for three months would have saved me $60 and 40 cents. So that would be mm, about a half a tank of gas for any of us in our vehicles, right? Not in the RV, but in a a regular vehicle. What is that going to do for America? It's a lot of gobbledygook that we're talking about here, but it's not going to accomplish anything, really. It's silly. I can't think of a better word than
0: it seems really silly. $60.40, and that's over the course of three months. I don't think that extra $60.40 is going to change the minds of those that want to drive from let's, uh, since I'm in Michigan, let's say from Michigan to the Carolinas, or even in Michigan, it's really popular to drive North by about three hours. Sometimes if you go into the upper peninsula or the UP, as we call it, you could go from our place to Copper Harbor and it's a 10, 10 to 12 hour drive just from here to there. And technically Steve still be in Michigan. Um, I know right now I'm thinking twice about how many trips I make just an hour away, but really giving us a holiday that's going to cut 18 cents. Uh, and you're right, Linda, The I drive a Ford Explorer, and I can't remember the last time that I've let the gas pump shut off itself. I usually stop it at 60, so I know it can go over that by something. And thankfully, since I work from home, I don't have to drive very much, but it is, it has to be on the minds of just about every working class person driving to one, two, or three different jobs, huh, I'm going to get a break. I'll save $60 this summer. That's less than a full tank of gas. Thanks.
2: I got to tell you, I drive a Ford Explorer also. And I do drive a lot and I'm I'm schlepping kids everywhere and I drive all over the place. Oh. And I'm filling up my, my tank twice a week and it's costing me over $120 a week to fill up. Um, so I gotta tell you, why are we not looking at ways to lower gas prices by increasing the supply of gas? We have it here. Why aren't we doing that? Why is that, why are they so resistant? Why is Biden, uh, he's talking about a transition to, um, you know, to electric cars. How on earth do you think, does does he ever get on the highway? Obviously not, because you would see the millions and millions of cars on the road. How are all these people going to go and just buy next week an electric car and solve this problem? It's the crazy, it makes,
1: I mean, what planet are they on? I don't I don't get it. I just can't relate to this. It makes no sense in so many ways because the, the green power, so wind isn't going to push your car and the the each one of those windmills of which there are thousands now in the country takes something like 2000 gallons of of fuel to make them work to, of oil, oil that that lubricates them and so that they're not, they're not helping the environment in in that way and electricity. Okay. How many States have power outages in these heat waves? Where are they going to get the electricity there? There is something like 45% of the, the stations that are to charge your car that are not even working right now. So uh, this is ludicrous to think this. And Biden has made these comments that well, this is a great time for people to understand that they need to go green. Well, so does that mean that we're doing this on purpose to try to get his agenda across? The other thing that really insults me about this is he went to Saudi Arabia to talk them into trying to pump more oil, right? And he's meeting with the he went to Saudi Arabia. He's meeting with the, uh, seven heads of our U S oil companies. He's not meeting with them. He's having one of his subordinates meet with them yet. He flew all the way to meet with the Saudi Arabians. Okay. So this to make no sense. This is a, a slap in the face to our oil companies and executives. So therefore I want to tell you both that, uh, Chevron's ceo wrote a letter to B- president biden and i just thought it was really a great letter and he's talking about biden's attempts to vilify the oil industry to americans and he said in 2021 chevron produced the highest volume of oil and gas in their 143 year history and in the first quarter of 2022 their production was 12 million barrels a day which was up 109,000 barrels per day from the same quarter a year earlier. They also invest $10 billion to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. He says that American oil and gas are the most efficient, responsibly produced and lowest carbon intensity suppliers in the world. And that we ought to be increasing American fuel production to your point, Alisa, that we ought to be, you know, opening these pipelines and, and making our own gas here. Instead, we're going to countries whose fuel is much dirtier than ours. Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, Russia, we're not using their oil right now, but we're, we're looking at Iran again. Iran, who has a contract out on um, Mike um, Pompeo. So, come on, we're, what are we doing here? Well, you know, Linda, I
2: guess that the environment in Saudi Arabia just doesn't matter. You know, they can make the gas, but we can't. Right. I, 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 I just don't understand that. You know, I guess it's okay for Venezuela. Like they don't have enough problems. Let's create a a dirty environment for them. And let's ask them to, 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 you know, pump more gas. And we, why can't we do that here? I don't understand that. It makes no sense at all. Um, And honestly, from what I understand, this gas tax thing, I guess he's proposing it for three months. um, It's only going to increase inflation because it's going to increase demand. Um, So I, I'm not sure if that's even going to be whatever, whatever solution he's trying to come up with, with this, you know, ludicrous idea. It it doesn't even sound like it's going to accomplish what he set out to accomplish. So All I can tell you is like, I go to the gas pump and I see a little sticker when I pump, when I'm pumping my gas (laughs) that says, um, it's a picture of Donald Trump pointing to the number on the gas, you know, the pay, the number that I'm paying. And it says, Biden did this. And I'm just like, you know, I have some of those
1: stickers. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I'm so angry. Every time I have to go fill up my tank, I am so angry about it. It just, I have this you know, and like other people will say, oh, you know, you just got to let that go. You just, you're just going to have to go with it. It's just the way it is now.
1: I'm just not willing to, to buy into that. I'm just angry about it. No, Becky, we were gas, gas, we were independent, oil independent, gas independent here in this country under Trump. And look at us now. Oh, I know. And,
0: you know, with regard to opening the pipelines, I've, I'm hearing conflicting things. Sometimes I hear opening the pipelines. It's not as simple as just turning a spigot and having that flow come out. According to what I heard, and I, I don't remember where I heard it, but someone, some scientist was saying it would take a good year or so for that liquid to actually begin to flow or for it to make any kind of
1: a difference. And oh, so but we've got to start somewhere, right? Because he yeah. turned off, he turned off the spigots and all those people lost their jobs. So they would have to come back. You know, I mean, that's going to be a process. You're right. Well, and I also understand we have the resources, we have the gas,
0: and I know from 1974, remember the big gas rationing with Nixon? I Oh, do remember. no, it, that was under
1: Jimmy Carter. Carter, yeah. In 74? Well, I don't know what the year was, but it was definitely under Jimmy Carter. at The gas lines, and we I had, just su- suffered had, through uh, those again in California. Yeah, we've had two bouts of that.
0: And I remember when I was very young, hearing all about the gas rationing and our family took summer vacations every year and we traveled far and long. Trust me, it was long with my brother in the back seat. (laughs) I remember, but now we're being told this is just the cost of living. And people in Europe have been paying six, $7 for decades. I have a friend in Sweden and she years ago when we were complaining about gas possibly hitting $4 a gallon. She said, we've been paying $7 a gallon in Sweden for many years and that's their norm. But for us, that has not been a norm. I don't want that to become a norm and it's it no pun intended, but it has a trickle down effect to many aspects of a person's life with them, with their mobility with their ability to pay rent, buy food, which this conversation leads right into the inflation. And how are people affording to eat? Look at what the food banks are doing. I'm seeing more in the news about food banks working harder, faster, longer hours than in many, many years, because this is hitting hard.
2: The other thing that like really makes me angry, as long as I'm on my little soapbox about being angry here, <laughs> you know, as as Jill and Joe hop on their plane and head off to you know the Delaware beaches for their weekends, which I just can't even understand that. Um, but when they got there on Friday, I don't know if you saw, but um, there were a couple a couple reporters that were there to ask them questions when they landed, and somebody. Somebody asked them, one of the reporters asked them about the record high gas prices and the soaring inflation. And Jill Biden, she just cut that person off and she grabbed him and she was like, We gotta go. There was no answer. So they just she just whisked him right away. Um so the other thing that that really also angers me about this thing is that he keeps blaming it on Putin, you know, and I, I'm like He's like, this is Putin's price hike. This is Putin's gas problem. This is okay. So, which I, I don't think it is. But even if it is, what are we going to do anything about it? Are we just going to say it's Putin's gas? It's Putin's problem. It's Putin's fault. And we're just going to go ahead with that. We're going to be okay with that. Like, so we do we not do anything to combat that? Like, wh- what what's wrong with us?
1: What wh- what is wrong with our government? We all know that he can fix this. Yes, so so to blame it on Putin or anybody else is ridiculous, because we could not only supply the United States with all of the oil that it needs, but we could supply Europe with all of the oil that they need as well. So we could be selling it and making ourselves some money, and still have oil left over. We have the richest oil reserves in the entire world here. So I, th- this is talk talk from somebody who knows nothing talking to people who know very little, and that's what they count on. They count on that. We just take their word and we, we, we just believe it. But if you know what the truth is, then, then you know that they're lying. I I think that this has to do with money somewhere. There's got to be money that's exchanging hands on all of this uh, green new deal stuff. There are a lot of people in Congress and Senate that are investing in it. Right now, because, you know, they want to make a bundle of money. They have all the insider information to do it. There's always money involved. But to shut us off of our own resources here in America and go buy from our enemies is, is just it's just beyond the pale to me.
2: Well, I mean, Biden is owned by the left. You know, he owes them big time. They got him elected. So he owns the, he owes these progressives you know, he, he's, he's indebted to them. So he's got to promote their agenda. And that's what I think is that's, that's part of it. I think that's part of like his whole stance
1: against, against this. He's um, also indebted to China for a yes. lot of things. And guess where all of these, these big blades come from your, for, uh, for the windmills. Yes. And, and so, so much of the, the, the lithium base, the batteries, the, the different, all the different things A lot of it comes from China. So he's enriching them at our expense again. I mean, I just, I, uh,
2: okay. So if they say that his approval ratings are what, like 38% or something like that, who are the 38% of the people that are actually supporting this? That, That I'd
1: like to know that. Those are the people that don't pay attention at all. And on that note, we'll be right back. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers.
3: While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. CofixRx, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Kofix Rx.
2: So the board of Twitter unanimously approved Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover bid. So it looks like he is one step closer to taking over Twitter, which I think is is interesting and is you know, I guess we'll continue our freedom of speech, you know, conversation. But one thing I saw recently that I thought was so fascinating about uh, that, another thing that Elon Musk is doing is he has this new um, neurological company that is creating a device that you would put into your brain and it will record your brain activity and could potentially like stimulate your brain. He, he calls it like a Fitbit in a skull, in your skull. So in other words, you whatever you think is gonna be recorded and you'll be able to pull up like long-term, long, uh, long-term memories. Um, it's gonna record every single thing that you do. It's, it's like sort of a, a whole bunch of little tiny wires that are gonna be embedded in your skull and, um, with electrodes and they're going to electrically stimulate your brain. And then all of that information is going to be able to go be transmitted to like a computer chip and then scientists can study it. Um, they've tried it on this cute little pig named Gertrude. Um, and they also tried it on a monkey and the monkey was able to look at a screen and play that video game called Pong. Just by looking at the screen, thinking about it and looking at it without actually, you know, um, operating a, um, a remote or a, a handle or anything like that or pressing any buttons. So I just think that, that that's that's quite interesting. And to me, I would never want to put something in my brain, but I was, I was having a conversation with uh, my, some of my older kids who are in their 20s. And they were just like, yeah, I would try that. I was like, really you would, I don't know. It sounds kind of crazy to me. What do you think?
1: What is the point of doing it?
2: Well, I think he wants to be able to, um, he wants to be able to, they want to study people's brain signals. So that's number one. They want to be able to further neuroscience because, you know, we kind of really have so many neurological diseases that there's absolutely no cure for. And they don't even understand where the disease comes from or, or how to, how to manage it, like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and people, even people who are, are uh, paraplegics and so forth. Um, so they definitely want to use it for research, but I think that it has other implications as well in terms of, you know, you being able to control certain things just by thinking about it.
0: That seems very new age and sci-fi and kind of freaks me out a little bit, <laughs> although I must say, if it's something that could be very useful to people with memory issues or immobility issues, that could be a marvelous tool. So if it's something that could be limited to specific needs and not something that could be available, let's say, to the general public, and something that doctors would just be implanting into people on a regular basis, uh, as if it's almost cosmetic surgery, then I think that's asking for a huge problem. But the fact that he's researching these things, I think is pretty interesting because I, I think there could be some very valuable benefits, to something like this for people with Parkinson's, people with Alzheimer's, if you could stimulate the brain to remember certain things,
1: I might consider that one, actually. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wonder about people that have had strokes that can't use maybe the left side of their body or something, if this would be something that would definitely help them. I could see that being... A direction they could go with that. I have a very close friend who has a uh, Guillombre and she has, she was completely paralyzed with it, but now she walks and she does everything that we all do, but a little bit more limited, um, somewhat of a, a gait when she walks a, a limp, if you will. And uh, her fingers stay a bit curled under and what they did was uh, the doctors in Texas implanted some electrodes in both her, the her spine and in her neck and they have dramatically helped her with pain and this is the first time they ever have done that particular surgery for Guillaume So she's gonna actually be in the medical magazines because they they wanna say, hey, here's here's something you can do that actually dramatically helps the patients. When she lived in California for many years, all they did was give her uh, drugs. Mm -hmm. And when she came to Texas, they said, well, let's try something different. Let's try this. Why wouldn't this stimulation of your spine and stimulation in your, you know, way up uh, up high in your neck help with this, both the pain and the movement. And it absolutely did. So I have high hopes for this because Elon Musk is somebody who, when he puts his mind to something, he he gets it done and, and people benefit from it. Yeah, I think
2: I think somebody who is a, a paraplegic or a quadriplegic is that is that gives people like that huge hope, um, and I think that that's one of the the sort of um, the, you know an indication that that they're intending to use for this sort of technology. I think that um, that the the thing that has some other scientists worried about it is that Musk also is talking about like merging with like artificial, merging our brains with like artificial intelligence. Now, I don't know what the implications of that are, but, you know, he says things like you'd be able to save and replay your memories almost like, you know, almost like a computer. Your brain is going to become like a digital supercomputer sort of thing. Um, You'd be able to sort of telepathically summon your car if you wanted to do that, Um, you know, it sounds like it, it just sounds a little bit aspirational, but maybe, you know, who knows, maybe that is what we're, go- we're coming into. Maybe we are going to be, you know, it's almost going to be like implanting your your iPhone into your brain and being able to do whatever you want without actually having to press anything or manually touch anything. So I, I don't
1: know. Sounds like uh, we could get a lot lazier. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> True.
0: True. <laughs> just what we need. <laughs>
1: Although, I mean,
2: who knows, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be the this, this sort of thing where you're, it'll all of a sudden alert you like, oh, it's time for your, it's time for your cycling class. Get up and go without actually having to, you know, look on your phone or, I mean, maybe phones at that point will be obsolete. Who knows? You know,
1: Wow.
2: that's sort of what he's talking about. So we don't know. Well, it'll be fun to watch. Yes. I, I don't think I want to do it. I don't think I want to do it either.
1: I'm not signing up, <laughs> but I can see, I can see the medical pluses for it for, for many people. And if that's the case, then I think that that would be a good thing. No question. I want to, let me switch gears for a second. Ladies, president Biden um, made a comment just very recently about another pandemic coming. Dr. Fauci made a comment about another pandemic coming, and he said that it would come in about fall, which would coincide for the midterm elections. I'm just really uh, a little bit concerned about that because I want to know what information that they think that they have that we don't have. Uh, We see variants all the time of COVID. There's supposed to be a couple of new ones coming out and they have their own unique characteristics and people are still getting, getting COVID, not so much uh, the very, very sick type like before, but one or the other of the variants, which are supposed to be more contagious. But to give it a timeframe of just before the elections is concerning to me based on what happens in the 2020 elections.
0: Uh, it, it just seems it seems very contrived and calculated and driven by something other than science. I I think for anybody, especially an elected official, to come out and make a statement like that is it's almost like the news only reporting negative things, frightening things as a means of control or getting you to, or trying to influence thought patterns. Does that make sense?
1: Well,
2: I I find it a little insulting that, you know, clearly he talks about the second pandemic just in time for the fall. Like, how does he know, first of all? And second of all, uh, you know, they they obviously see that they are going to take a bath in November at least as of right now i mean who knows what's going to happen the rest of the summer no one knows but it does certainly there are so many indications now that the the there's going to be a massive red wave in the fall so i think they're they are just you know desperate to find something to to try to stop that and if this is what he's going to i just think it's pathetic
1: well, what is
0: yeah. the, what's the purpose of telling us that there's another um, pandemic coming?
1: I, I think he's mentally preparing us a little bit. He also said that we need more money to deal with this, which I just find very rich because he's giving billions of dollars to the Ukraine. He's given billions of dollars to students by wiping out their loans. He's given billions of dollars, billions of billions of dollars to illegal immigrants walking over our border. And yet we need more money now for, in case we have a pandemic. I I just, is this another, another thing that they're doing in order to get taxes raised so that they can make more money? Or is it something to put fear in people? Uh, so that they vote differently? I don't know, but there's something that seems very sneaky and backhanded about this to me. Oh, definitely. Even if, even, you know, not to,
2: you know, even if you're not cynical, it just seems very, very sort of out of the blue, like what all of a sudden today, six hours ago, he decided, oh, we all of a sudden we need to raise money for another pandemic. Like what? It just doesn't, there's no connection there. Um, so it just, it clearly makes you think that there's something funky going on that is, is, is sort of bubbling up and kind of like alerting us, get ready. That's how I feel, get ready.
1: Hmm. Well, the World Health Organization also just came out and said that it was likely a lab leak that caused this first pandemic. Well, duh, duh. I think most of us knew that, but they wouldn't admit it for a very long time. And now they are admitting it. So I I don't know. It worries me if there's going to be another kind of surprise lab leak or what's going on with this when you have information ahead of time, especially from Fauci, who says it will happen in autumn. Really? I mean, that's a little ways away. How do you know that? (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: every year there's some, I mean, every year you have flu season. And it's just become like one of the four seasons that we have and everybody, especially parents, just anticipate that when kids go back to school, kids are going to get sick and then they bring it home and then the parents get sick. And um, this seems seems like too much of a coincidence that he's saying, well, you know, in the fall, sort of like when everybody gets sick, there's going to be another pandemic because everybody's going to go back to school. It's no longer warm weather, and we don't have windows and doors and fresh air coming in, and everybody's going to be cooped up again. But like you said, Linda, it's hap- he just made this announcement, and it seems very sudden,
2: tied in with asking for money. Well, yeah, the, the money issue is, is kind of what – it's not like he just – kind of is warning people that, okay, we might have another pandemic and right. we're, we're researching or whatever. It's about, it's, it, he specifically came out and said, we need more money. And like, how much more money do you want to take from us? I mean, you know, we already can't eat and can't pay for gas. How much more do you want us to give? Um, and I, you know, for Fauci to say by autumn is just really like like you said, Linda, it's just rich. It's just too much. I I don't know. I, well,
1: it's going to depress, and I don't mean uh, depress like um, make you sad. Although it does make you sad, it's going <laughs> to depress the the marketplace because companies like like my company who have not recovered from uh, having to close in California for a long period of time, and who all of our customers didn't come back because they couldn't come back because they were no longer in business because they couldn't make it through the pandemic. You know, these companies are still struggling. A lot of America is still struggling from the first time from all the shutdowns. So now you're warning us that it's going to happen again. And it's very, very worrisome because it makes me think twice about making investments towards Mm -hmm. the future I'm sure it makes lots of of business owners do that. I think that was an extremely irresponsible thing for the president to say.
2: Oh, no question about it. You, you, you don't just throw words around like that, but he does that all the time. So, you know, I, I just don't trust anything that comes out of his mouth, honestly. I mean, not to mention the fact that they walk back every single thing he says. So since it has only been six hours, maybe they're going to come out and say, oops, no, there's really not the second pandemic coming. Maybe we don't need the extra money. So like, you know, it's, it's not to be flippant about it, but I do think that I, I really don't listen to every single thing. And any single thing that he says, just because I just don't trust that. And it's, it's irresponsible in so many ways.
1: Our airlines are still in a big mess over this. We don't have enough uh, pilots. We don't have enough uh, stewardesses. We don't have enough mechanics anymore. We're, we, there, there are a lot of repercussions. I just having driven across the country, so many places, especially in California, they still require masks in a lot of places. I, I, it's just, this has been two years. This is really oppressive for the country. So I just, I'd like to see us kind of move on responsibly, but I'd like to see us move on. Well, speaking of travel,
2: I mean, there have been so many disruptions and not just, you know, on the roads, but in the, in the airline industry, I mean, they've, they're canceling flights at the airports in New York, left and right, uh, you know, almost every day. It's almost like a third of the flights were canceled today. A third of the flights were canceled. You can't, you can't get in. So it's, it's an enormous problem. You know, we're just trying to get out of the pandemic with travel. We're going to get right back in now.
0: Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind.